Okay, Beruchim Abayim. Welcome everyone. We're continuing our study of Simha. We are in class number 37. We have been studying <clears throat> specifically Emuna and more specifically the way emuna is used in our daily challenges. How to see challenges through the lens of emuna. So we've been going through different nisyonot, different challenges that we must be aware of in life. Today, we're going to go through a specific challenge that perhaps in our generation is the one that we should talk about most. It's also, I think, if we had to take a person who is starting out his life and they're ready to understand and prepare themselves for a good life, a successful life, I think this might be the first message to share with them before they go forward. Because if they don't have it, they're going to have a misunderstanding. They're going to look for something that doesn't exist and they will be frustrated their whole life as a result and will end up in all the wrong places, all because of one mistake. Sometimes one mistake makes all the difference. So if I had a bar mitzvah boy or a girl of a bar mitzvah, and you ask me, what should we sit down and make sure they know, I would say, it's this Gemara. I'm going to learn a Gemara with you. Gemara says in Masechet Sanhedrin, Amar Rabbi El Azar, Kol Adam Le'amal Nivra. Every person was created for Amal. What is Amal? Amal has many different explanations, the word means toil. What is toil? What does that mean? That a person was created to toil. So toil has many parts. Toil could be a person carrying boxes. Toil could be a person running a marathon. Toil could be a person experiencing financial trouble. Toil could be a person who's worried. Toil could be a person who's experiencing physical issues, health issues. Toil could be a person who's facing social issues. Toil could be a person who's sweating over a Gemara, trying to understand it. Toil could be a person opening their home for acts of kindness. All types of toil. Toil is basically a person who's sweating. Either he's sweating physically, or he's sweating intellectually, 
or he's sweating emotionally. It's all different kinds of sweat. So says Rabbi Elazar, a very important statement. Call Adam, every human, le'amal nivra. If you want to know what your creation is all about, not necessarily your purpose, but what is your situation? What is your status? Today everyone likes to have their status. So your status as an Adam is le'amal. My status is that I am in the midst of toiling. I'm in the midst of sweating all in all different ways. Shene'emar says, Rabbi Elazar, I have a pasuk. It's a pasuk in Iyob. A pasuk to, to remember. You must all remember, remember this pasuk. You should memorize it, never forget it. It's only four words. Ki adam le'amal yulad. When a person is born, he is born into a world of amal. Again, the word amal means to toil. Now says the Gemara, any yodea, I don't really know what that means. Im le'amal peh, nivra, im le'amal melacha nivra. The Ibrahim asking, okay, I got it. We're here to toil. Got it. But what kind of toil? There's all types of toil. There are so many ways to toil. There's so many things that we sweat about. Which one is it? Says the Gemara, is it le'amal melacha? Mean, do I have to toil always in work? Do I have to worry always? What is, what is this toil business? In which areas? So the Gemara's conclusion, I'm going to cut to the end, says the Gemara, Heve Omer, Le'amal Torah Nivra. Which means that when we say that we're born into a world of toil, so really, the toil could be Amal Torah. What is Amal Torah? What does that mean? Amal Torah means we struggle, but we're struggling in the spiritual world. Like we mentioned, there are many struggles. But the purpose of our struggles should be struggles in the spiritual light. For example, if we're struggling to go to a class, if we're struggling to learn, if we're struggling to help our parents, if we're struggling to help our neighbor, if we're struggling to give charity, if we're struggling to raise our children, if we're struggling to walk to the Bet Knesset, if we're struggling to keep Shabbat, if we're struggling to eat kosher, if we're struggling to be modest, these are all spiritual struggles. So says the Gemara, every human is born into a world of struggle. 
I will stop for a moment to explain that. Because I think for this generation, that itself needs explanation. In the previous generations, even the generation that some of you grew up in, if I would say that everybody is born into a world of struggle, they would say, of course, that's obvious. What does that mean? We know. That's what we do here in this world. We struggle. We struggle to make a living. We struggle to raise a family. We struggle to do anything that is meaningful. It's obvious. Everybody knows that this world, you have to work and you have to work hard. And that's what you should expect for the next 75 years, 80 years of your life. It's obvious. But that obvious part of the human that we're here in this world to struggle, to work hard, in today's society, with our children growing up in this world, it's not so obvious. In today's world, there is a dream that a human really is looking to do very little. Much less work, if any. I mentioned to you many times, and it's not a joke, it's real, that most young, not most, but many, I can't say most, I don't know most, but many young people, their goal is to retire. They didn't start working yet. What I mean their goal to retire is they view retirement as the perfect life. Today's world through technology, social media, and many other things that make our life easier is convincing us that the easier life is, the less work you have to do, the more you could just sit and relax on a beach chair, the more happy and accomplished your life will be. So yes, we have to work. When people today work, it's bidi'avad. Bidi'avad means they have no choice. They want to really relax. If they could relax seven days a week, they would. But they can't afford to relax seven days a week. It costs a lot of money to relax. So you have to work hard for five days. You may have to travel for six months to be able to provide for yourself a time where you could just do nothing. You see, instead of relaxing in order to work, people used to relax one or two days in order to work. In today's world, most people work so they could relax. Basically, they're working a week to relax two days. They're working a year to relax for two weeks or three weeks, whatever they can afford a vacation. And they'll work for 40 years in order to retire. When finally they could just say, I'm done. Now I could live. Now I could relax. So toil is a very, very ugly word in today's society. It's almost a dirty word. Working hard. I mean, again, we have to do it. What could we do? I have to raise my children. They're not easy, but what should I do? Today we are sold that the highest 
lifestyle is a lifestyle that's free of toil, free of work, relaxation. Let people serve you. You don't carry anything, they will carry it for you. You don't cook, they'll cook for you. You don't, you just sit back and relax. Enjoy the ride. If we could afford it, that's what we would do. This mindset, which is not reality anyway for most people, this mindset, even if it's not your reality, if that's your mindset, you already are way behind in your ability to have simha in your life. You're done. If your goals in life is to relax and do nothing and take it easy, you could just throw away all of our 37 classes that we've been learning about Simha. You're wasting your time. There is nothing, nothing that you will gain if you have this approach to life. The Gemara is telling you and I, Adam le'amal yulad, which means you and I have entered a world that is a place of toil. And knowing this is going to be your first step. I don't know first, but it's a necessary step to your simha. Maybe at first it doesn't sound so exciting. Maybe when you hear the pasuk, you say, oh no. That's why I was created into a world of toil. The other way sounds much more luxurious. A lot more glamorous when you're born into a world of doing nothing. Relax, take it easy. Get served. Sounds much more appetizing, but it's not reality and it's not going to bring you to Simha. So the first thing you must know when you step on this planet is Adam le'amal yulad. You're not created to sit on a beach. You're created to toil and you will toil. Like it or not, you're going to toil. There is nobody that you know that you ever met or that you will ever meet in this world that is not toiling. Everyone's got their share of toil in different ways. Sometimes you look at a person and you say, oh, this person... Wow, I wish I had their life. I mean, it's so easy. They just have it all. Maybe they have money. Maybe they have a beautiful home. But guess what? They have plenty of toils that you don't even know about. Just yesterday I met somebody who I knew for a very long time. In my mind, he would be someone to be jealous of. Baruch Hashem, I'm working on my jealousy for many years. 
So maybe I wasn't jealous, but if there was someone to be jealous of, he would be it. I mean, why not? He has a lot of money. Seems like everything is going pretty easy for him. Looks like a healthy person. And yesterday, through a random conversation with this person, I realized that he has a major problem in his life, which I'm not going to discuss with you. That if you have this issue, it just takes over your life and you can't think straight for one minute. Now, if I'm not aware of that and people don't like to advertise their amal, so then I would never know. I would think, what do you mean? Adam le amal yulad? Take this guy. He's not amal. Where is, where is his amal? And then all of a sudden, if you put a little bit of a, put into, inside a little microscope to see what's going on, and you say, oh, oh, whoa. I don't know if I could live with that. I don't have that issue. Every person that you know, everyone sitting here, you have to remind yourself, every person that you know is going through amal. They are toiling. They are struggling. Everyone's got their struggles. Every person. Because that's the world. Adam le amal yulad. You're not going to avoid it. And if you think you're going to be born into a world of relaxation, you're going to be very disappointed your whole life. Your whole life, you're going to be looking for something and frustrated about something that doesn't exist. So that's lesson number one. By the way, once you know this, even before we go to the next part of the class, just knowing this alone makes your life a little happier. And if you ask me why, what's the difference? At the end of the day, if I'm toiling, I'm toiling. But guess what? One of the biggest reasons in life why we get frustrated and unhappy is because we don't get the expectation that we thought we're going to get. We fall short of what we hoped was going to happen. And because of that, if you come into a world thinking that you're supposed to be relaxing, and all of a sudden they made you work, and they made you struggle, you're going to have a very hard time. Not because of the struggle, because of your hopes that were broken. I thought I'm going to relax. And look what happened to me. So knowing that you're coming into a world of struggle, and then you struggle, actually doesn't make it easier, but it makes it where you're actually able to be happy. I'll give you a mashah. I'll give you an example. I've given this example before, so if you heard it before, I apologize, but it's good to review anyway. Very simple example. You have a person who goes on vacation. While he's on vacation, he gets very, very busy. He gets a very large order from a very big customer. And he's one week in his hotel room working this order, 
factories, getting the materials, negotiating prices, you name it. That's what he's doing for one week straight. He didn't relax for one minute. He comes back home and his friend asks him, so tell me, how was your vacation? How was your trip? He says, my trip was terrible. He says, why? What happened? He says, I didn't rest for one minute. I was working the entire time. A few months later, the same person travels to the Orient. He's spending a week in Hong Kong. And in this week, he has an appointment every hour. Factories are coming in every hour to come negotiate, to show him, to talk to him. And he's there in his hotel room. And just as he lands, one by one, they cancel. 40 appointments, all canceled, if you could believe that. So the guy has nothing to do. So what is he doing all day? He's sitting by the pool, relaxing. He comes home after a week, his friend says, so tell me, how was your trip? He says, my trip was terrible. He says, what, what happened? He says, I didn't work for one minute. I was just relaxing for a week. He said, I don't get you. Two months ago, I asked you how your trip was. You told me it's terrible. You were working the whole time. Now I ask you how your trip was. You tell me you didn't work at all. It was terrible. Make up your mind. Is it a good trip when you work or is it a bad trip when you work? And the answer is very simple. It all depends what you expect. If you're going to work and you work, you like it. And if you're going to relax, you end up working. You don't like it. So just knowing the reality of this world is it's a place of amal. Right away puts you in the right mindset. The next issue that comes up and you say, oh, what happened? Nothing happened. That's what you're doing it. Did any Olympic hurdler ever get upset when he sees the hurdle? Does he say, oh, what happened? How come they put the hurdle there? Why is it blocking my way? What do you mean? That's why you came here. When you came to the Olympics for the hurdle race, that's what you expected. You don't get disappointed when you expect something and you get it. The reason why we get so frustrated with our amal, even the difficult amal, the frustration is worse than the amal. Because we expected it a different way. We thought life is supposed to be calm and easy and simple and everyone's going to love me and everyone's going to take care of me and everyone's going to service me and no one's going to upset me and no one is going to be... That's the way I expected. I expected my parnasat to come easy. I expected my social life to be simple. I expected my marriage to be perfect. My husband's going to love me every moment of his life. My children are going to be so easy. They're going to stand up for me. They're going to kiss my hand. They're going to say, Mom, Dad, what do you want? How can I help you? You have no idea how much I appreciate all that you've done for me. That's what I expected. And all of a sudden, I'm getting smacked left and right every day. 
You know very well that every day there are struggles in your life. And the struggles themselves may not be easy, but what makes them unbearable and makes them take away our simha is because we expected something else. Because we didn't learn this Gemara. We didn't know that Adam le'amal yulad. We didn't know that. In the world out there, they're selling us a world that's going to be simple and easy and kind and everything is perfect. Come with that expectation and all of a sudden, you're going to get some treatment. How could you be happy when things are going the wrong way? It's not the difficulties in life that make you unhappy. It's that you expected no difficulty. You thought you're done with the difficulty. You thought you, had, you thought you had it. You know, a person who doesn't have money, for example, thinks that once they get money, they're done. Yeah, okay, I have to be amal till I make money. But once I get money, I'm done. A person who's not married says, okay, once I get married, I'm done. A person who has no children says, oh, once I have children, I'm good. So everyone is one step away from their simha till till 120. Because something will come as a reason different. You get one, you get another one. You hit one, you get another one. You ever play those frog games they used to have at the at the uh, at the, uh, the arcades? Right? You hit one frog, the other one comes up. You hit another frog, the one comes up. They just keep coming up. It's not going to stop. The day it stops is the day we say Baruch Dayana Emet. That's it. There's no, there's no stopping in Amal. You're in the wrong world if you're expecting to relax. Things will creep up from all corners. Adam le Amal Yulad. Just that alone, if we stop this class now, and I always tell you, you're free to leave whenever you want. Sometimes I don't know what time it is. If you just stop right now and you left, you have learned a lesson that is life-changing. Because as the issues come up, you won't be surprised. And that in itself makes you a happier person. Don't be shocked by the amal of this world. I have to read for you something I saw last week. I wish I could read it for you all inside. This is the words of Rav Shach. Rav Shach was a great rabbi who passed away in the last generation. And he was actually speaking to young ladies in this talk. Here are his words. Quote, Ani ish zaken. I'm an old man. He says, and now I'm going to skip around because it'll take too long. He says, I could tell you from my life experiences. Af pa'am lo hayali shum davar ba'olam. I don't know what that means. He says, never did he have anything in this physical world. 
He says, When I was already a little boy, he says, I had no food. I had no clothing. Not like people who open their closets and they have a wardrobe for each month of the year. Not like that. I had nothing. I had no clothing. I had no food. I, I just barely survived. He says from the, the days of the First World War, he was in Europe, he says, I was the only nish'arti levadi. He I was by myself. Everybody was gone. The whole city was gone. It's a young boy by himself. No father, no mother. He says, I never saw my parents ever again. And he talks about his life during the war. He says weeks at a time he had no food. Sometimes he's on Shabbat, he had some black bread. He had no clothing, he only had one shirt. He said on, on Friday, he says, afternoon I would go up on the roof. He would go up on the roof And he would wash his shirt. And he would wait till it dries. He said, I was embarrassed to ask people for anything. No one looked at me. No one saw me. He says the following words. The ilu hayu, the elu. היו הארבע שנים הכי מאושרות שהיו לי בחיים. He says, those four years of my life, describing those moments, were the most happy times in my life. I really don't want to go into it, because I don't understand it. That's not my goal right now, to be Rav Shach, or to tell you to be Rav Shach. I don't understand how all of what he just said those are the four best years of his life. That's what he says. And he explains more and more. And then he says, describing the years after, he says he has enough tzarot in his life that could fill up books and books. Aval ulachem but you should know. From the day that I matured and realized, I am the happiest human alive. There's not even a moment that I don't feel this simha. I bring this story not because we're on this level. I just bring this story to tell you that just because you're toiling in life, it doesn't mean that you can't be Sameh. Just because you're dealing with issues in your family, with your marriage or with your children, 
or no marriage or no children, just because you're dealing with financial issues and just because you're going through some health issues and just because you're... That doesn't add up to a person who's not Samaya. That's a mistake that we make. We automatically assume if things aren't going easy, so that equals I'm not happy. That's our own calculations. Here's a man who is way far away, far away from where we are, the wrong way, yet he's saying he's the happiest man alive. Now, I don't exactly know how that happens, but I do see one thing. I see that you could struggle in life a lot, and you could walk away saying, I'm a very happy person. And I think the first step, there's more to be Rav Shach that I'm telling you. But the first step is you have to know that's the world that you're in. Don't get shocked. Expect it. Expect the struggle and already you'll feel simha, even when the struggle is there. Don't expect to wake up to a world that's calm and easy. That's your biggest mistake. Expect struggles. It's the world that you're living in. Adam le'amal yulad. The Shla Kadosh writes, I think it's a little exaggerated, but that's what he writes. He says, En rega belo pega. There is no moment without some troubles. En sha'ah belo ra'ah. There's no time when there isn't something bad. En yom belo ayom. There isn't a day without a fear, without a worry. Maybe he exaggerated, I don't know. Maybe he's trying to be poetic. But that's reality. Reality is when you wake up every morning, say, okay, I'm back again in the world of toil. Again, doesn't sound very exciting way to wake up. You'd much rather wake up to a world say, ah, oh, it's going to be a perfect day today. That sounds much more exciting. But it's not Mesameh, because it's not reality. If you wake up every morning and say, oh, I'm born today, I woke up again to a day of struggles, that already changes your life. It may not sound so great in the beginning, but it makes the road so much more happy. Remember, when you go to work, you actually love working. And when you go to relax, you don't like to work. If this world was a place of relaxation, then you could have all of those expectations that you want. But says the Pasuk, says the Gemara, Adam le'amal yulad. Is there a greater lesson to teach a young man, a young lady coming into this world? To tell him, here's the reality. Get ready. It's a roller coaster. Anyone ever complain on a roller coaster? No. You know why? They love it. They wait online for an hour to go on the roller coaster. They pay money to go on the roller coaster. Are you crazy? Why are you going on a roller coaster for? No, I love it. What do you love it for? It's scary. 
when you look forward to something, even if it's difficult, you will enjoy it, believe it or not. I'm not saying we should wish for problems, but don't worry, you don't have to wish. They're coming anyway. I'll give you my word. They're coming daily. And they're not going to stop. That's not a beracha I'm giving you. That's a reality that I'm telling you. The beracha is that you should realize it. Because not realizing it is going to make it so difficult. But that's not the end of the Gemara. And again, if you walked out right now, you walked out with a wealth of knowledge. I don't recall saying anything like this that's so worthwhile to keep in your pocket every day. But we're not going to stop because I get paid by the hour over here. So we're going to go. The Gemara says, okay, I got it. I'm convinced. Adam le'amal I got it. We're here to struggle. But says the Gemara, what kind of struggles? In other words, is it always going to be amal melacha? Amal melacha, in other words, means is it always going to be worldly struggles? All the ones I mentioned before. Financial, health, social, emotional, fears, anxiety, you name it. We can go on and list and list and list, there's no end. That's all underworldly struggles. So again, but I'm saying, is it a must also that the struggles are worldly? Or can the struggles be replaced by spiritual struggles. Again, one more time. We already learned. We wake up every day now. It's a world of struggle. It's coming. But, says the Gemara, there are worldly struggles, physical struggles, and then there are spiritual struggles. Spiritual struggles are what? For example, I mentioned some before. You're struggling with your anger. You're an angry person. Now, you're very smart. You don't get angry in public because you want people to think that you're not angry. And you're a very calm person on the outside. But inside, you're brewing with anger. You got a problem. You're a sick person. You need to fix your problem. But it's not so easy to make an angry person calm. How do you become a calm person? You're going to have to struggle for that. You may have to read books. You may have to write things down. You have to track yourself. To remind yourself. To learn. You're going to struggle. To make an angry person calm, it's worthwhile. Believe me. There's nothing worse than an angry human being. But it's a struggle. You don't just become calm because you decided, I don't like anger. You're a jealous person? Oh, who's not? Who's not jealous? Of course, none of us are jealous. We're all jealous. 
We're all jealous. Jealousy is a sickness, is a disease that eats at us. And if you think you're not jealous, you're so sick you don't even realize it. I don't say that as a joke, even though it's funny. It's reality. Jealousy eats at us in so many ways. You have that problem? Of course you do. Do you, you have to have that problem? No. You could struggle to make yourself a person who doesn't get jealous. It's possible. But you gotta struggle. That's a spiritual struggle. That's not a health issue. That's a spiritual issue. It's not a financial issue. Are you giving? Are you unselfish? Do you help people with your money? Do you like writing nice fat checks that you can afford it? Do you like that? I hate it, I can't, I don't like it. I don't like giving myself. I'm a very selfish person. Who's not a selfish person? We've been selfish since they were born. And if you haven't done much to help yourself, you're probably the same selfish person. Again, we become smarter as we get older. So we don't show our selfishness to the street. To the street, we're always doing this. But in reality, we're doing this. We just know how to fake it. To become an unselfish person is a spiritual struggle. And it takes a very long time to become a real kind giver. You gotta struggle. You gotta learn, you gotta go on different programs. You got you need it. Struggling in learning wisdom, in learning Torah, that's a struggle. Struggling with things that maybe should come easier to us, but they don't for whatever reason. For some people, keeping Shabbat is so easy. They grew up like that. They appreciated it. It was given over to them in such a beautiful way that they would never not. But for some people, it's a struggle. Maybe they didn't grow up around it. Or maybe they grew up around half of it. Now they're trying to figure out the other half. Or maybe their neighbors are not so good at Shabbat and it's very hard for them because of peer pressure. You have peer pressure in your life? No, I don't. You're lying. You're lying to yourself. You know you have peer pressure. You know that it's hard for you when the guy next door is doing something and the one next to him is also doing the same thing and the third guy is doing also the same thing and now you're gonna be different. That's so hard. It's so hard to be independent in a world where everyone's looking to see how they look at me. You know that we struggle with that. We struggle with Shabbat. For some people, it's kashrut. For some people, it's modesty, the way they dress, the way they talk. Do you struggle with Lashon Ara? Of course you do. Do you say things that you're not supposed to say? Of course. It's natural. But you're not supposed to. But that's a spiritual struggle. To know when not to talk and what to keep private. That's spiritual. I can go on and on and on. The Gemara is asking, so I know, I got it. We're here to struggle, got it. Let's lesson number one. But tell me, are the struggles 
physical or are they spiritual? Can I choose one? Says the Gemara, and I'll say it in my own words. Not exactly the words Gemara. Ashre, fortunate. Mishe Amalo Batora. Amalo, you know what Amalo means? Amal is toil. Amalo, Amalo means his toil. Just that word alone needs explanation. What do you mean his toil? Just say, fortunate is the one who toils in spirituality. Torah doesn't only mean Torah. It means everything that we just mentioned and much more. Fortunate is the person who's toiling. What does it mean? Fortunate is the person who his toil is in Torah. What do you mean his toil? The answer is that every one of us, every single day of our lives, has a bottle. Every morning you wake up, they give you a bottle. It's not milk. It's a bottle of toil. It's a bottle. You have this much toil, that much toil. Every day you're born, every day you wake up again. Here's the bottle. This is your toil for the day. Nice. That's called Amalo. Your toil. Says the Gemara, fortunate is the one who exercises the toil for spiritual growth. Which means the Gemara is answering, no, the toil doesn't have to be worldly. It doesn't have to be sickness or social issues, or family, or shalom bayit, or children, or it doesn't have to be. They don't give you a bottle of physical struggles. They don't do that. The bottle only says, amal. That's all the bottle says. What the amal is, what is it? What's the nature of the amal? That's your choice. If you choose to struggle in watching your words, if that's your struggle today, how do I get rid of my lashonara? If you're struggling with your tzeniyot, or you're struggling with your Shabbat, or you're struggling with your kindness, or you're struggling by going to serve your parents and help them even though it's hard for you, then guess what? That's the struggle of the bottle. Then you don't need to struggle in other things. That's what the Gemara is saying. That when Hashem gives the bottle of struggle, it doesn't, He doesn't give the exact definition of the struggle. That's up to you. That means you and I actually choose our struggles. How awesome is that? How amazing is that? Who wouldn't want to choose their own struggle? Only the guy who didn't know the first part of the class. 
The guy who just came in now thinks it's a world with no struggle. So you tell him, you want to struggle? He says, no, I don't want to struggle at all. But now you know the first part. That's not negotiable. You cannot take that away. It's not happening. So now you're struggling. It is what it is. Wouldn't it be beautiful if I can choose my struggle? Would you rather choose making your Shabbat perfect than going to a doctor for a checkup of something you don't want? Wouldn't you rather choose that? Of course. Who wouldn't choose that? Would you, cho would you choose working on your tzenyut than struggling with your children? and their attitude? Would you choose working on your chaos, on your anger, or working on some other frustration in the physical world? Financial issues, or all types of shalom issues. What would you choose? Tell me. Of course we would choose spiritual, for two reasons. At least two reasons. Number one, because it's actually meaningful. It's not just a struggle. It's meaningful. When I become a Shomer Shabbat Kehil Cheta, I've improved my life so much more. When I become calm, I'm a different human being. I did something good for my... I'm struggling in things. It's like a person who's given the choice. You want to struggle in buying and making a billion dollars or making a thousand dollars? Is that is that a question? If I'm struggling already, of course I want to struggle with a billion dollars. I get so much more out of that. You want to struggle with your mother and father? Struggle with kindness? Struggle with writing a check? Struggle with helping people? Or God forbid struggling at the dentist? or struggling at all different... What's the question? Do you understand how awesome the secret is? You're lucky you're here today. You're lucky you're listening. Not because you listen to me. We're learning today such an unbelievable life fundamental process. Struggling is here to stay. And now the beauty, you get to choose your struggle. If you don't choose the struggle, they will choose it for you. So be smart. That's the Gemara says, Ashre mi amalo. Amalo means your struggles, your battle. Fortunate, you're so smart that you were able to choose your own struggles instead of letting them choose it for you. The next time you have an opportunity to struggle spiritually, the next time someone says, come to a class, say, ah, just, I like my couch. <laughs> now, sometimes you need to be on your couch, it's okay. 
there's room to relax also in life. But guess what? That decision is a bigger decision than you think. It's not just, oh, let me go to a class. That decision is deciding your struggle for today. Someone says, come, let's go help this person. Your mother calls, come, I need you for something. And you're not really in the mood. You're not really in the mood to go to a charity function now and write a check. You're not so in the mood to sit for an hour listening to speeches. You'd rather just sit home. Who can blame you? I don't blame you. You're invited to a wedding. They would love to see you. You know that. But you're not in the mood. You know how many times we're not in the mood to go to a wedding? Almost every wedding. Just not in the mood. We're being honest today. <laughs> but guess what? We are in the mood and we should be in the mood to make a hatan and kala happy. And if you're not in the mood, so push yourself to be in the mood. It's a struggle. So you decided to stay home. You didn't go. You thought, oh, <sighs> What a relief. That's what you think. But there's no relief. You just get it from the other side. You could have been at a wedding enjoying the chuppah, enjoying the nice songs, enjoying Mesameh Hatam Bekalah. That could have been your struggle. Why are you trading that in? Ashrei Mishe Amalo Batorah. When you have opportunities in the spiritual world to struggle, whatever it might be. And it's not just one thing, many things. We struggle with many things. For some people to wake up early to go pray. For some people it's hard. I understand it. The bed looks so much more comfortable than shul. To go pray with a minyan, to find parking, it's not so easy. I don't blame anybody for struggling with that. But remember what you're trading. You're not trading struggle for nothing. You're, straight, you're trading one struggle for another. You know what it is to go every day to Minyan and to pray and to thank Hashem. That's your struggle. And if it's hard for you, that's even greater struggle for you. The harder the struggle, the more you're saving problems for yourself. Person goes to learn in the mornings. What a, what a beautiful thing to do. It's a struggle for, to go sit down and learn. For someone, it's very hard. Either they don't understand, they don't have the tools. It's complicated. But... Remember what the other side is. So much better to struggle with meaningful things. Because meaningful things like Shabbat, like Torah, like Sneot, like every, all these things, when you actually struggle with them, you love it, and the results are awesome. We all know that. 
to a person who never kept Shabbat, he thinks Shabbat is some painful day of the week. You keep Shabbat a few times in your life and you really keep Shabbat, you look forward to it from week to week. It's not a struggle. A struggle in the spiritual world is an illusion. It's not a real struggle. Struggling to learn Torah is not a real struggle. Just start learning and you'll see it's awesome. You love it. Spirituality is not a struggle. In reality, it's beautiful. Just in the beginning to get to it, it's hard. It's just hard, that's all. How you raise your children, that's a struggle. It's easy just to let your children do whatever they want. Or just follow things that the world is doing. It's very easy. Hands off. Just follow the crowd. To be a good parent, to be on top of your children, doesn't mean to suffocate them, but to be on top of them and to direct them and make sure they're in the right place and make sure they have the right friends and make sure they're in the right place, they're doing the right things. That takes work. That's a struggle. But it's so meaningful when one day you'll sit around the table with your beautiful children and your beautiful grandchildren. Well, God forbid you let children do whatever they want. You see the results out there in the streets. Unfortunately, even within our own circles. What, what happens when you leave children on the hill? What's going to happen in the world today? You, you name every bad thing you can imagine. It's right there. That's going to make you proud when you get older. It's going to make you enjoy your children, your grandchildren. Your children are going to have great marriages because they worked on their beautiful midot or they just went to do whatever they want and they're still the same selfish kid that was born to you? Do they have wisdom? Are they learning? Are they understanding? Do they have values? Do they have responsibility? Are they waking up in the morning? Are they learning? Are they doing? Are they giving? What's going to make you a proud mother and grandmother? A kid who's drinking? A kid who's smoking? That's, that's, that's how you're going to be proud? Of course you know it's not like that. But it needs work. You have to think ahead. You have to make good decisions. Sometimes maybe not so popular decisions. It doesn't matter. That's a struggle. Is that really a struggle? When you have beautiful kids, it's really a struggle. To have good kids, it's an illusion. It's fake. It looks like a struggle. No struggle. Ashre Misha Torah. The Gemara says, <clears throat> excuse me, the Mishnah says in Masachet Avot, listen to this Mishnah. Kol hamekayem et Torah. Meoni. Someone who is mekayem, meaning he struggles with spirituality, with Torah. Meoni, even though they're poor. So far, so far means at the end, lekayema, you're going to continue to, to, to fulfill the Torah and the mitzvot. Me'osher, you're going to be rich. So again, you're poor, but you're still mekayem, you're fulfilling Torah and mitzvot. In the end, you're going to be rich. And if 
Call a mevatel et a Torah me'osher. Let's say you're rich, but you're mevatel. You're ignoring your spiritual side. You're mevatel. You don't you don't care about it. It's not important to you. You're not getting up in the morning to pray. You're not going to shulim. You're not looking after the spirituality of your children. You're not doing it. Mevatel. Me'osher, but you're rich. So for, in the end, says the Mishnah, Levatela, you're also not going to do anything spiritual, but now it's going to be Me'oni, you're going to be poor. Now anyone reading this Mishnah, if you lived on the planet Mars, or Venus, and you read this Mishnah, you say, wow, what a, what a crazy world this is. Imagine this world. People who are poor, and they, they learn Torah, and they do mitzvot, they're going to be rich. And the people who are rich and they don't do Torah and mitzvot, they're going to be poor. Sounds so exciting if you're on Mars. Why do I say Mars? Because if you live on planet Earth, you realize it's a lie. It's not true. Everybody is doing Torah and mitzvot is rich. Oh no. Everybody who is mevatel Torah and mitzvot is poor. Oh no. That's not the picture we see. What are they, who are they talking to? Martians? What are they talking about? Are they insulting our intelligence? The only problem is that we don't know how to read it. Let me explain to you what this means. Osher, the word osher, we automatically explain it as rich, wealthy. And we think that means money. But really money has no intrinsic value. You're stuck with money on an island, it does nothing for you. You can't eat it. The only thing that money is worth is that it gives you an advantage. That advantage usually is time. It gives you time. If I have extra money, so I can learn a little more, I can give a little more charity, I can spend more time with my children. I have more time to think. I have more time to plan. I'm not under pressure every minute how I'm gonna put food on the table. That's the value of money. The value of money is that it gives you a little space. When a person is poor, so they, they, they can't, they don't have time. They're always worried about the next meal. They have to serve their children. How are they going to pay the tuition bill? How are they going to pay the condolism bill? How they, pay? They, they can't think. They're working three jobs. So when a person is poor, it's not so much that he has no money. It's not the point. The point is that they don't have time. They don't have time to think about the children, their future, about their own future. They don't have time to go learn. They don't have time. I know people that work three jobs. They're up early, early in the morning, and they don't go home until late at night. They don't have time. They're traveling, they're doing just to make a few dollars. So Osher is not only having money, it's not about money, it's about having time. Time for your real self. And Oni is when you have no time. Says the Mishnah Perkei Avot, listen to these beautiful words. 
A person is ani. Doesn't mean they don't have money. Ani could have a lot of money, but you have no time. I met a person once, not just once, many times. But this person happened to be one that I remember. I met him, I said, why don't you come and learn? He said, Rabbi, I'm in work at 4.30 in the morning. 4.30, he's on the road. I think he's in his, in, in his office at 5. And I travel three, four days a week. He says, I don't have time to learn. When do I have time to learn? I told him, you'll forgive me. When I say that, it means I'm going to tell you something nice. So you'll forgive me. He's a very wealthy man. And you forgive me. But you are one of the poorest people that I ever met. He didn't like that. But I explained to him, what good is all your money? You don't have a minute to yourself? You're running around the world? I get it, you have to work hard. But to the point you have nothing, you have no time? No time for yourself? I'm asking you to come learn. You want to learn, but you can't? You're a poor man. So he says, what do, you, what do you want me to do? That's my schedule. At least he's asking. I told him, come. I said, do me a favor. How much time do you have? You have any time? You have five minutes a week? He said, I have five minutes a week, he tells me. Five minutes a week I have. I said, okay, we're going to learn five minutes a week. 5.30 a.m. Fridays. He looks at me and says, five minutes a week? That's going to make me a tamid hacham? Like, what, what, what am I doing five minutes? By the time he gets his coffee, it's already two and a half minutes. I told him, I'll tell you something. My job and your job is to take whatever we have and make something out of it. And when Hashem sees that you're using five minutes, He's going to give you ten. And before you know it, you'll have an hour. And before you know it, you'll have two hours. But if you're not using your five minutes, He'll even take away your five minutes. He'll, he'll get you busy somehow. And he used to come every week, five minutes. And then it became 10 and 20, an hour, two hours. Our job is not to decide how many minutes we get. Our decide, job is to decide what we do with it. That's what the Mishnah means. Look how beautiful this Mishnah is. The Mishnah says, Kola mekayem me'oni. Oni means you don't have the ability. You don't have time. You don't have the money to give. You don't you don't you don't have your ani. But yet you do what you can. You do what you can. You know what's gonna happen to you? So for Hashem says, oh wow, this person utilizes his time. So let me give them more opportunities. Who's your biggest fan in this world?
आता यूएस And if he sees that you're using your small opportunities, your ani opportunities, as your biggest fan, what do you think he's going to do? He's going to make you ashir. He's going to give you more. He's going to give you more opportunities. More time, more money, more energy. But the other way around, God forbid, if you're Ashir, Hashem gave you talent, Hashem gave you money, Hashem gave you time, you have your Ashir, you could do so much with your life, you're blessed, as they say. But you're not doing anything. You're not using your time properly. You're not using your money properly. Instead of giving money out, you become Balgava. You become an arrogant person instead of helping people. You have people like you. They respect you. What are you doing with that? What are you using it for? When Hashem gives you Osher, He gives you gifts. But you waste your gifts. As your biggest fan, you know what He does? He takes away the gifts. Because God forbid you go to heaven after 120 and they ask you, listen, how come you didn't do this? How come you didn't do that? How come you didn't give this money? How come you didn't help this person? And if you say, I was very busy, you kept me busy every second of the day. When do you want me to help? When do you want me to go learn? When should I go? What? And Shah said, okay, I hear you. But God forbid you say, I had all the time in the world. I had all the money in the world. And they ask you, what were you doing? There's no answer to that. So as your biggest fan, actually they take away your gifts. So at least you have what to answer after 120. It's not good to have gifts and not to use them. What a beautiful Mishnah. Use your opportunities. It doesn't matter how small they are. Size is only a physical entity. In God's world, there's no size. Whether you give $5 or you give $50 million. It's not, to him, it's the same. He doesn't need your money. But are you doing your best? Are you waking up the earliest that you can? Are you learning the most that you can? Are you putting effort in the most that you can? Everybody's different. Everybody in this room has different starting points. But if you take opportunities as they come, all of a sudden you become an ashir. They will throw you opportunities. 
They'll find opportunities for you that you never imagined that you're capable of doing. You know, they say there's a saying in, in America, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. That's this. How does the busy person capable of doing more? Because doing more is not in my hands or your hands. It's what Hashem gives you. If Hashem sees you're taking advantage of 10 minutes, He'll give you 20. If He sees you're taking energy, He'll give you more energy. Your job and my job is to take account of what we have and make the most out of it. As the Mishnah says in Perkei Avot, Kol mekabel alav, all Torah. All Torah means you accept upon yourself that you're committed to growth, that you're committed to become a great person, that you're committed to all the values of the Torah, and you're going to become something. You're going to become this beautiful, great person with derech eretz, with kedushah, with chokhmah. You're going to raise a beautiful family. You're committed to it. Call a mekabel. Mekabel means I am in. That's what I'm going to do. Me ma'avirin mimenu. Ma'avirin means they take away from you. All malchut. All malchut means the problems of the country. There's many issues that go on. Political issues, all types of issues. Tax issues, who knows what kind of issues. They all derech eretz. Derech eretz means parnasa. People have a hard time with parnasa. They'll, they'll relieve you of that. They'll help you. Figure it out. Why? Because you're committed. Your energy is committed to do something much more meaningful than going out to earn a dollar. They'll make the dollar earning easier for you. They'll make your life easier. Don't worry. Less problems with your kids. Less issues with your health. Less issues with your parents. They'll make your life easier. Why? Because they want to help you fulfill your mekabel all Torah. They want to help you with that. I must share with you a pasuk. It's a pasuk that we say all the time. There's no way I can give this class without saying this pasuk. This pasuk actually comes with a story. It's a pasuk that we say usually on Shabbat, pasuk and Tehilim. Says David Melech, Allah Shalom. Ach, the word ach means only. He's praying to Hashem and says, Hashem, please, only this. Only this. Only what? Tov. Tov means goodness. Vahesed. And kindness. Only good and kindness. Yirdefuni. Yirdefuni means they should chase me. Call Yemehayai. Every day of my life, all my days, please Hashem, only have goodness and kindness chase after me. There was a man who went to see the Hafez Hayim. The Hafez Hayim was in Vienna. Vienna. This story happened 99 years ago. 
in Vienna, Austria. The Hafez Chaim was there for Agudat Israel convention meeting, whatever it was. And there was a man that was desperate to ask the Hafez Chaim a question. A very good man, a man who worked for the community in his city, I believe in England. And he had a little bit of a, I guess, argument with his wife. Not a fight, an argument. Fighting, no good. Arguing, arguing is good. He's arguing with his wife. He had a very good business, developed his business, became a very wealthy person, and started spending a lot of his time helping the community. And it started with one thing, and like it usually happens, you start with Hachnasat Kala, then you're starting to pay for the weddings, and after you're paying for the housing, and then you're paying for... That's how it is, you start helping people, and things happen. So this guy, after a while, he's spending more than half his day helping people. His wife told him, you know, a woman is worried about her husband, and their parnasa, that's her job. She says, listen, you can't continue like this. You can't keep working most of your day helping people. What's going to be with your parnasa? What's going to be with your business? You can't do this. You got to cut it off. He thought, but I'm doing fine now. I know, but you have to be smart. You have to do this. You have to. So they're arguing back and forth. I don't know exactly what the nature of the argument, but that's basically the story. So as they're arguing, they say, you know what? The Hafez Chaim is coming to Vienna. I'll go there and I'll ask him the question. It's beautiful. Beautiful thing. Every couple should have a rabbi. That when things come to a, a standstill, you have someone to ask. Otherwise, you're stuck forever. He ignores you, you ignore him, and you're done. You go to a rabbi, go ask somebody. So he runs to the Hafez Haim, he goes to the, to the Vienna. He gets to the place where the Hafez Haim is staying. There's a line of people waiting to come see him. He can't wait, he has plenty, he has many things to do. He goes to the front, tells the Balabite, I'm sorry, I, you know, this is who I am, I am involved in this. I really need to ask the Hafez Haim one quick question, can I come in? He says, he's, he's having lunch now, but Fadl, come in. He comes and he's sitting on the table with the Hafez Haim. He's not talking to him. After the Hafez Haim finishes eating, he's saying Berkata Mazar. His custom was to say, This Mizmor, Adonai Ra'ilo Ahsar, he would say before Berkata Mazar. So he's saying it before Berkata Mazar. He gets to the Pasuk, Ah, Tova, Hesedir, Defuni, Kol, Yemehayah. So he turns over to the man, he doesn't know who he is. The Hafez Haim turns to him and says, Oh, yes, you gosh. You ever say this pasuk before? He says, yeah. He says, do you know what it means? He says, yeah. David only wants good and kindness to chase him. He says, to chase him? To chase him? You know what a rodef is? Rodef. When you think of a rodef, what are you thinking? When someone is chasing you, what's behind you? Something good or not good? Not good. If someone is chasing you, that means someone is trying to hurt you. Since when did Tova Hesed become a chaser? What do you mean they should chase me? Why is he running away from them? This is a good question. Says the Hafez Haim, let me explain to you. He says, in life, we have many Rodef. 
many rotfim. There are many things that chase us. People chase us, problems chase us, issues chase us. Rodef all the time. It says, Dabira Melech Hashem, please. I also want to be chased. There's no choice. But my rotfim should be tov ahesed. When you're about to close your office and someone says, I need your help. No, 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 but I, 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 hold on. He's a rodef right now. He's running after you. Someone needs your favor, he calls you up. Ah, I, I was a, no, he's a rodef. There are times in life when you're not in the mood. There are times in life where you're going somewhere. Where you had plan A, and all of a sudden, something comes up. What's the something that came up? Tob Ahesed. Says David Melech, Hashem, please let only Tob Ahesed chase after me. I don't want to be chased by anything else. And the way you do that is by wanting Tob Ahesed to be your Rodef, to be your Amal. The man left without asking the question. He got the answer without asking. Of course, there's a time in life when you can't. Everybody understands that. Sometimes you just can't. That's okay. But many times you can. And you choose not to. Because you don't want to work. And you want to relax. Thinking that this is going to bring you to relaxation. But it's not. Because it's just trading in erodef. It's one rodef for another. I think this pasuk is a pasuk to keep along the first one that we read. Adam le'amal yulad ach tov v'chesed yirdefuni kol yemei The nisayon we discussed today is the nisayon of thinking that this world is a place of relaxation. That's your Nisayon and my Nisayon. And especially in our time, it's become like obvious, that's what we're here for. It's a terrible mistake. We must remind ourselves every day. Adam le'amal yulad. You're here to struggle. When the struggle comes, don't be surprised. That's it, you were waiting for it. It was coming. And now we learn even more that once you know there's a struggle, choose your struggles wisely. Fortunate if your struggles aren't real things, real accomplishments, real beauty that you will enjoy. And every day ask Hashem, please, Hashem, please let the chasers be opportunities of good. Let the chasers be opportunities of chesed. Let the chasers be my friend that pulls me to a class. Let my chasers be somebody who says, open your home for a chesed. Let my chasers be somebody coming ask me for a check. Let my chasers be the people who are saying, come on, bump it up. Your Shabbat could be better. Your tzniut could be better. Your children, you could raise them better. Let that be my chasers. And when those opportunities come because you ask for them, you capitalize and you would be passing one of the most critical nisyonot in your life. 
Because then you're on your way to real simcha and real accomplishment. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.